For you see, when we think about family like this, we're thinking about family in terms of something that it does for us. Family is meant for our fulfillment and our pleasure. But God created family as something that is for His glory and for building His kingdom and for His purposes here on earth. And that is a completely different way to think about family. And when you start coming at it like that, it completely changes how you put a family together. And it also completely changes how you participate and who can participate in a family. One of the challenges with preaching any sermon on family is the fact that you're sitting in a group of people where not everyone fits this demographic of mom, dad, kids, okay? We live in a world where there's all kinds of different possibilities. Do we fit? And the answer is yes, you do. But God does it in an interesting and very different way. Today we're going to be looking at how God built a very unique family in a very different kind of way, and we're going to do it from the book of Ruth. And Interestingly enough, we have Ruth here with us today to tell us her story about what God did to create a really special family. So if I could invite Ruth up here today to tell us a little bit about what God has done. No, Jesse, no more stories. It's time to go to sleep now. I love you, sweetheart. Good night. I wonder if all parents and grandparents have the same troubles, tucking their little ones in at night. I need a drink of water. I'm still hungry. Can I have one more snack? Grandma Ruth, can I have another hug? How about another story? The one story he knows I can never refuse, the one that is so close to my heart. Grandma Ruth, please tell me again how you met Grandpa. I love telling this story because it is the story of God's amazing love and how he gave me a family, a place to belong. I was just a young girl living in Moab when Elimelech and Naomi came to live among us. They came to escape the famine in their land. And let me tell you, it must have been a pretty bad famine for them to come live with us because we were, we were enemies with the Israelites. And needless to say, there were not very welcome celebrities in our town. After a time, Elimelech passed away and Naomi was left a widow. Becoming a widow in those times was a guaranteed for living in pretty deep poverty. Fortunately, she had her two sons with her. Eventually, I married her son, Malin, and my friend Orpah married her son, Killian, and we helped to take care of Naomi as best as we could. But for me, it was so much more. Naomi was such a kind, good-hearted woman, and she had a deep devotion to her God. That really impressed me, especially because it was a time where many people were living in disobedience and only to please themselves. Unfortunately, tragedy struck Orpah and me, and our husbands died too. So there we were, a band of three widows, really unable to provide for ourselves, and with no one to take responsibility in providing for us. Naomi didn't have any other relatives in Moab, so there was no one to become our kinsman redeemer, someone that could step up and marry and keep the family name going on. So Naomi decided to pack up and go home, and we decided to go with her. We weren't on the road all that long when Naomi turned to us and said, you girls should go back home to your own parents and find husbands, raise families, and be happy. We wouldn't have been terrible people if we had done that. No one would have thought bad of us. So that's exactly what Orpah did. 
I can imagine that there are some women who, when given the chance to live with my mother or my mother-in-law, wouldn't have made the decision I did. But I loved Naomi. She was family to me. And yes, there were some problems, but we loved each other and we cared for each other. So I begged her, please let me go with you. Please don't ask me to leave you. Let your people be my people, and I will make your God my God. When she saw how persistent I was, she allowed me to go with her, and we journeyed on to Bethlehem. We arrived in the spring, which was when the barley harvest was being taken in. I tried my best to provide for Naomi, but I was a foreigner in a strange land. I went gleaning in the fields, which is where you follow after harvesters and gather up what they have left behind. God cared so much for the widows and the orphans that he, found, that he provided in their law that they leave a portion of their land without being harvested. And that's where I went. One day, I was summoned to the field owner for lunch. I didn't think anyone would have noticed me, but apparently he did. He wanted to know who I was and where I had come from and why I was there. And I told him the story of Naomi. He seemed very interested and had great mercy on me and gave me special treatments and stuff. He told me that the servants wouldn't harass me, and when they gave water out for them, that I was able to drink it. When I told Naomi about the good news, she seemed very interested in knowing that the owner's name was Boaz, who was one of her relatives. She made a very peculiar request of me. She wanted me to go to Boaz at the end of a harvest day at the threshing floor, lie down at his feet, and ask him to marry me. So I did that. I did as she instructed. And he woke up in the middle of the night, startled me, and asked who I was. I told him what I had done and why I was there. And to my surprise, he seemed very interested in marrying me. I grew very fond of Boaz. And what was originally a family arrangement became a true love story. Eventually, we had a son named Obed. You should have seen Naomi. She was so happy, bouncing that little boy on her lap. Eventually, Obed grew up and had a son named Jesse, who was my grandson. He was such a joy to my heart. I found family where I never would have expected it, with people I never would have expected. Because of the great and merciful love of God, praise be his name. Thank you, Ruth. Thank you. Oh, wow. Thank you so much. So good to hear firsthand of your great story. You know, the book of Ruth is a remarkable book. Um, it is a, a short little book that's found um, in the Old Testament just after the book of Judges. It actually takes place in the time of the Judges. And that was a really troubled time in, in, in Israel's history. And yet here is a message of hope that God gives us in this real short story. The book of Ruth it can be kind of thought of about a, as, as a play, a, a narrative that takes place in four acts, and it has four main characters, uh, Ruth and her mother-in-law, Naomi, and then we have Boaz, and of course we have God. And as this story takes place, there's a fascinating twist that takes place at the very end, and I'll get to that at the end of today. But through it, we see God, uh, God's provision in some incredible ways. Of course, the story does begin in Bethlehem where there's a famine. And as, um, as, Ruth and, or as Naomi 
and, and Elimelech are there. They're, they decide to travel to Moab. Um, as Ruth told us, the, the famine was, was so bad that they stayed in the land of Moab for 10 years. Now, they certainly were not welcome there. And in fact, the, the Moabites and the Israelites were at great enmity with each other. The Moabites were considered by the Israelites to be pagans, to be idolaters, and were known to lead, their, um, lead the Israelites astray and away from God. And so there was no love lost between the two, and for them to be there was hard. But even more difficult was after the death of Elimelech and then after the death of his sons when um, Naomi decided to return to Israel, the, the, she knew that with Ruth coming back with her, it was going to be especially hard for her to return to Israel. That's why she said to Ruth and to uh, Orpah, you stay behind, you don't come. Because she knew that in um, her life in Israel, she could glean from the fields, but Ruth and, and Orpah would have a very hard life. Now, of course, Orpah, she went back and went with her family. And, and Ruth, though, made that pronouncement that we hear at weddings all the time. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you from me. An incredible pronouncement of commitment from Ruth to Naomi. So the two of them return to the land of, of Israel together, and that's where they begin um, to, to uh, try to make a new life. Now, the life of a, of a, in poverty in, in Israel at the time was not a good life, but they could survive. As we heard about from Ruth, that uh, the, the farmers would set aside a portion of their field where on the outside, the, those who lived in poverty could, could keep a, uh, collect enough food to be able to survive and would make um, enough to keep going. But it wasn't a great su um, survival. And Ruth did just that. She went to one of the fields and she found herself in the field of Boaz. And that's where something really interesting took place. Boaz came out from the village, and um, he was um, looking over his fields and speaking with his servants, and he saw Ruth in the field. Now, keep in mind, a Moabite woman coming, out of, coming into a, a Jewish village would have been very noticeable. Everyone would have seen it, and she would have been very, there would have been a lot of prejudice. There, she would have been one who would have been an outcast, uh, looked at very um, suspiciously. Um, it would have been very similar to, um, I would say, some of the things that take place today as we're dealing with refugees from uh, difficult lands. There would have been a lot of questions as to why that woman is here in our town, in our field, doing this right now. But what was Boaz's response? Boaz took the initiative to go to her and, and ask what her story was. He found out what her background was. He understood that she had been kind to Naomi and it helped her. And then he extended his protection over her while she was there at the field. Now this is something that he didn't have to do. Under the law, in Israel, all he had to do was provide the field that, and the cuttings around the field. 
this protection and the, the, the commands that he gave to the people that were working the field was something extra. But he took the extra step to say, you're going to be under my protection right here. Well, as Ruth shared, the story gets even more interesting. Um, at the end of the harvest, and we don't know how long it was, my guess is it was at least several weeks, if not more, um, they had uh, Ruth went to Boaz, and um, we have the, where he uncovered his feet and proposed marriage, and the rest is history. Now, the book of Ruth is so full of lessons of loyalty, service, commitment. There's a lot of different ways we can look at this, but I want to help you see this book through the eyes of two different characters here, that of Boaz and that of Ruth of Naomi, because I think a lot of us can identify with one or the other. You know, a lot of us, I think, can identify with Boaz. The Lord's blessed us. The Lord has given us fields, a good job. The Lord has given us good homes. The Lord has given us maybe a small family, but a family. Um, the Lord has given us a, um, a couple of kids and a, and a life that is good. And we may even be here and doing some things to connect with um, other people that we care about and, and care for them. But don't miss how Boaz was ready to do more, ready to go beyond the minimum of what God was calling him to do. He obeyed God, but then he opened up and, he, and gave Ruth a covering uh, to be under. He actually noticed and asked questions. He, he, he invited her into his home, and he gave the, at the place where um, they were harvesting uh, food from his very own table that, he, that she could eat from. He was so sensitive to the needs around him that their lives intersected and relationships were built. And finally, he was willing to sacrifice his own good. You know, there's an interesting twist at the end of this story. Um, after Ruth proposes, or Ruth initiates um, to him and says, look, would you be my redeemer? Would you be my kinsman redeemer? He says, there is another that is in line before me. This is an interesting part of the story that's easy to read by quickly, but um, he, Boaz says, I've got to go to this other person and say, and, and give them an opportunity to redeem you first. Well, in the law in Israel, the way it worked was if you um, had a piece of, if you were a widow and you had a piece of land, um, the piece of land really belonged to God, but you could um, sell it um, so that you could be provided for. Well, when this piece of land went up for sale that belonged to Naomi, then this kinsman redeemer wanted to buy it. And it would have fully been his, except for the fact there was Ruth in the deal. And that meant there would be another um, heir, and that the total properties of this other person would then be subject to be distributed among Ruth and everyone else in her family. You know, I cannot help but think that this is a similar situation that we have. So often, we want to give just a little bit, but we don't want to give enough that it sacrifices our own good. How can we step up and give enough that it even means a sacrifice for our own family?
You know, thinking back to the video at the beginning of the session, um, one of the things that uh, struck me when I watched it was the fact that at that table, there were only four chairs. You might not think that's a big deal, but at our house, we have way more than four chairs at our table, don't we? Why do we have more, four than, more than four chairs at our table? Because we have a house that is always open to other people being a part of our family. And I think Boaz, if you'd gone into his house, he probably had more than four chairs at his table. And, you know, I think God likes to work through families that are willing to open up their homes and open up their houses to allow more to come in. Let me make it real for you. Pastor mentioned that when we were in Lafayette, we were part of uh, uh, planting churches and uh, establishing churches and homes. And, and truly, the key to doing this was doing it through families that were living out the life of Christ in communities and in neighborhoods and in homes. And we did that through uh, hospitality, through connecting with people, through loving people in the neighborhoods. And we, in fact, planted a church that was in our own home. And it was, um, we uh, were there for about six years. And this church became so much a part of the community and the fabric of the, of the neighborhood. I remember one Sunday, we, well, a typical church Sunday for us was people would come over for, for church at about 10 o'clock in the morning on Sunday, and then they would leave at about 5 o'clock in the afternoon because we'd have church, and then we would have meals, and then we would have time together. We were family. We lived together. We, we ate together. We enjoyed the day together. But then one time during the week, I was sitting there. Kids were at school. Betty was off somewhere else, and I hear the front door open and close, and I'm wondering, okay, what's going on? And... Um, I, I step out of my office, and it's one of the people who were a part of my church. They just walked into my house, didn't knock. And I'm like, okay, what's going on? And then it hit me. They were so comfortable that this was their home and part of their family that they just walked right in. That's family. That's a big, happy family. You know, one thing that really underscored just how much we were family together was the fact that um, one Sunday, um, we had a family in our church that was about to lose their home. Um, they had suffered a lot of financial setbacks and was really asking, uh, God, what, what, what is it going to take uh, for them to be able to survive? And, and um, financially, th there just didn't look to be any hope. Interestingly enough, Betty and I had already made the decision we were going to help as much as we could. We couldn't do it all, but we were going to do a little bit. And then throughout that Sunday, different people in the church started coming up to me, pulling me aside, and saying, look, I want you to give this to them um, before the end of the day. And everybody was wanting to be real private about it. But by the end of the day, virtually everybody in the church had given me money, and there was so much collected that it was way more than was needed, and they were not only able to survive, but they were able to to, to recover it and go on and do even more. That's family. This is the idea that, I, that, that we have in a family that is um, able to do something. And I think this was the heart that Boaz had. But you know, there may be some of you sitting here whose story is very different. You may identify a lot more with Ruth. 
You may not even be a woman. But you may find yourself saying the same words that uh, Naomi did when she came back from Moab. You know, she came back and she said, um, uh, she'd been gone 10 years and um, the, the, the village saw her and welcomed her back and said, why, um, why do you call me, um, why do you call me um, Naomi, which means pleasantness? Don't call me Naomi, call me, call me Mara, for that means bitterness, because the Lord has bought, brought calamity on me. I feel like Ruth and Naomi had gotten to a point where they had said, you know, there's nothing left but me and God. Two of us. We're on our own. We're going to do what we can do to survive and to make progress and to keep going. And you may be in that situation as well where you're just asking, okay, there's nothing left but me and God. We're going to survive. We're going to press on. We're going to do what we can to just be the two of us. In that moment, the easy thing to do is to crawl into the shell and say, that's good enough. But I want you to take a long, hard look at Ruth and what she did. Over and over again, Ruth took the initiative to say, this is not, I'm not going to stay stuck here. I'm not going to remain here. I'm not going to let this be just enough. But she took the initiative to go out to the field and glean. She took the initiative to go out to the, um, uh, to, to go up to, um, uh, to eat at the table with Boaz. She took the initiative to stay with, with Naomi as she's journeying back. And finally, when she came to that time at the end of the barley harvest, when Naomi gave her those outrageous, incredible instructions, she took the initiative to go to Boaz and say, will you be my kinsman redeemer? She took the initiative over and over and over again to change her situation. Now, I, I know that's a hard thing to think about, especially when you're stuck and when you're down. But there's a big difference between just surviving and making progress. And I think God has designed us to be in community and to be in family such that we have got to both, if you're a Boaz, open up your home and open up what you have to include others. And if you're Ruth, to believe that God has given you an opportunity to be a part of a bigger family. All around us every day, there are people living in quiet isolation. There are people who are searching for answers and people who are wondering if anybody cares or if anybody loves me. And as Christians, we are called to open up our homes and create a new concept of family that is family on mission, that is family together, that is family um, accomplishing things for the kingdom by expanding our table and being more than we could without, um, it, without living in our bubbles. You know, I think about uh, um, back to our, our time in Latvia, and I think one of the most special things that happened with us was over and over again, we created 
very unique family situations. We had people living with us time and time again for extended periods of time that we, 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 we would never have chosen, but God just brought across our path. We had single ladies who would come and live in our house for years at, at a time. We had students that would come from uh, different places and stay with us for months at a time. Um, we had kids that needed a home that would stay with us for periods of time. It was an opportunity for us as a family to be more than just who we were. And God blessed it over and over again. And I think as we are looking for opportunities to be on mission for God, that is an opportunity that God gives us each and every day. You know, recently I've been hearing the, uh, of, of different people who are having very challenging uh, times in their own homes. And I really wonder what God could do if we could shake things up and bring homes and families together in new ways. What if we were to have families being together on mission in their neighborhoods like this? What if we were able to go into the neighborhoods and create new communities where people are connecting with each other in ways that they understand and see each other, not just doing hospitality together, but living life on mission together through sharing the daily tasks and burdens together. But you know, I mentioned that there were four main characters at work here. Ruth and Naomi, Boaz, and of course God. If you remember, I mentioned at the beginning that this took place during the time of the judges. This was a really turbulent time in the history of Israel. In fact, uh, Israel was, the Israelite people were going through a time where um, God was, um, uh, they, they would be worshiping and they would do well and they would honor God and then they would fall into idolatry, and then they would fall into sin, and, and, and then God would chastise them, and then he would um, uh, punish them, and then he would bring a, a redeemer, and then he would bring them back out. And there was this cycle of, of idolatry, sin, chastisement, and then they would recover over and over and over again. And it got so bad that um, if you read in the book of Judges, it said, um, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. I think that is a very apt um, uh, uh, word for even our time today. Everyone doing right in their own eyes. But into this, God steps in and introduces a story, introduces a narrative that is very different. And that's the story of Ruth. A story that is unique, in that it takes some very unlikely people. It takes a man who is seeking to honor God and takes a woman who is um, homeless and is without any way to provide for herself. You know, as you look at this story, you have Ruth coming into this and she comes in and God brings her to is, is back to Israel, or brings her to Israel, and she 
meets Boaz. And as they become a, a couple, he brings, into something, brings them into something that is incredible. They have a son. The son is Obed. Obed is the father of Jesse. And Jesse is the father of King David. And King David, of course, is in the lineage of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now think about that. God took a homeless, impoverished Moabite and brought them into the lineage of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I can't help but wonder the opportunities that could have been lost here. You see, Boaz, he could have fulfilled the law completely, easily, by doing nothing more than um, uh, having the fields and having the edges of the fields available to provide for those who were in need. That would have been enough. But no, he took the initiative to open up his home and, and open up his heart and seek out and, and let others be part of that greater and larger family. Ruth, on the other hand, Ruth and Naomi, they could have come back and they could have done nothing more than continue to work the fields year after year after year after year. They could have sat there and just taken advantage of what God had provided them. And this story would never have come to fruition. But because the two of them took the initiative, because they saw the opportunity that God had and stepped into it, something amazing took place. You know, all over the world right now, I'm seeing God do amazing things. The church is growing around the world in incredible ways. God is opening up opportunities for church planting around the world like I've never seen before. And even here in... Um, Avalon Park, we see people responding to the gospel in incredible ways. And I think God is going to do his bidding and, and is going to move in incredible ways whether we step in and work with him or not. But he's giving us an opportunity to take the initiative to come together and form a new kind of family. Now this may be a a, a real personal family where it's actually changing the actual dynamics of your own family or maybe the larger family of God. But God's going to do something if you take the initiative and create something new. And so my exhortation to you is to walk away from here and go home and add that extra seat at your table. Take that extra seat and begin to pray at who God would have you put in it. Is it a neighbor? Is it someone nearby? Is it someone that you've been walking by closely? Is it someone that's here in this church that um, you've never had over before? Who would you add at the seat at the table? Or if you haven't had the opportunity to be at that seat at the table, invite yourself over. You know, there's a lot of ways to connect here. Um, we have our life groups. So I would encourage you to connect through IRA and through the life group uh, ministry we have here. Be a part of the larger family of God in a way that would um, give you a chance to, to live and be part of the families here 
at Avalon. Because if we, I think about the other guy who said, you know, it's going to cost me too much, and he walked away. We don't even know what his name was in Ruth. Um, but he could have been that kinsman redeemer, but he wasn't. Boaz was. Can you be that man? Let us pray. Dear Lord, you call us to be part of your family. Lord, you call us to be part of your people. You call us to be part of something that is bigger than ourselves. And Lord, we just ask that uh, you just open up our hearts to understanding how, Lord, you would want to take our family and transform it into something something magnificent, something that is very different than what we have done before, something that looks different, feels different, something that includes people that we may not have ever considered to be part of our family. And yet, Lord, we just ask that, um, that Lord, your kingdom would be built would be built through the understanding that, um, that, Lord, you desire that all come to the knowledge of you. And, Lord, may our families serve you and be part of that. Father, I just pray that um, you would open up um, the hearts of those that are sitting here that are that haven't been part of that larger family. And, Lord, just uh, move them to take the initiative to, to do so. Lord, may they not deprive you, may they not deprive us of being part of that larger, more glorious family of God. Part of that mission, part of that understanding that, Lord, you have given us family for the sake of your glory and building your kingdom. Thank you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name.